The following is a conversation with Peter Christian, a multi-generational resident of the Borbor region in Victoria, a lifelong obsessed Samba hunter and brilliant Samba hunting guide through his outfit Borbor Adventures. During this conversation, Pete and I have a great conversation about the history of the Borbor region, how his grandfather came to the region and how they started hunting Samba and the changes in Samba numbers and their movement and behavior over the last couple hundred years. We also talk about the plight of the Brumbies the wild horses in the Borbor region and what the government is doing to control their numbers for right and for wrong. And also throughout the conversation, Pete shares his thoughts and philosophies on hunting and how the world has changed and lost sense of reality. Now, you might not agree with everything that Pete says, his worldview, his philosophy, what he said and how he says it, but I encourage you to look deeper. There is a wealth of knowledge in people like Pete and a wisdom that can be mined for those who are interested in mining. I certainly don't agree with everything Thing that Pete says, but I'm fascinated by the man and I learned a lot in my time with him. Now, also, before we head into the podcast, if you haven't already checked out the Australian Hunters Club, I encourage you to go do that. Our club is going from strength to strength. It's one of the fastest growing hunting clubs in the country. It's the best way to support me. It's the best way to support this podcast. If you're interested, check out australianhunters.com.au. We give away guided hunts every single month. This year in 2023, we are giving away one, sometimes two guided hunts every single month. We give away thousands of dollars of hunting gear every month. We have events, we have social events, hunting events. You can get discounts on hunting rides. It's a fantastic club. Hopefully you can join and I can see you at an event soon. But otherwise, on to the conversation with Pete. I hunt animals in the pursuit of life. Life lived and life taken. I believe it's through this dance with nature and the wild places that we truly live, connect and grow. I'm Chris Waters, the Australian Huntsman, and these are my stories. Pete, tell me about Borbor. How long have you been in Borbor for? Well, in this district all my life. Yeah. Only 67 years. (laughs) And your dad and your grandpa? My grandfather moved here in 1990 after the First War. He lost his arm in the First War. And... Yeah, the story with, with that is he went over to Gallipoli and then to France, got blown up in France, and the army lost him, the Australian mm. army. MOA, sent a message yeah, back, telegram. sent a message back. And he and his two brothers had a sawmill each up in the Wombat State, what now is the Wombat State Forest. Before the war? Yeah, yeah. Um, like the family had had it from when they coming out on a ship to the, for the gold rush. Wow, that's early. Mm. So like they um, were the first Australians and they went straight to Wombat? Yeah, well, they went to the gold mines. Yeah. Like looking, looking like, for gold. Like Bendigo, oh, sorry, Ballarat. Ballarat, yeah. Ballarat, yeah. And, um, Bendigo. But then went and cut wood for the miners instead of digging holes. And you were saying, you know, we were talking about this and you were saying how, oh, I think I, I, think I even made the, the point of, you know, it's smarter to, to serve the industry, the gold rush industry, than try and get the gold. Yeah. 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 So so he's got your brothers are back at home working these sawmills. He's off getting blown up in France. Yeah. And then... And his um, new wife before he left. Yeah. They sold his mill and gave her the money. Yeah. Um, and he turned up... They found him again six, eight months later in... England in a, um, a rehab centre. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they amputated his arm. Yeah. So he he left that over there. He didn't bother bringing it back to Australia. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, the refrigeration wasn't that good. No, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. And they bought a farm up at Nayok. Yeah. Like, that's where the, the rail was, the railway line was in process being built between um, Nayuk and New Jersey at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he cleared the farm there and with had kids and, and then, yeah, with one arm, yeah. And uh, worked at the uh, station down here mm. as a, um, a clerk doing all the tally work. Mm. Um, that's not television back then. That was adding things up, <laughs> yeah. The real tally. Yeah. And, and he, 
so he and his brothers, uh, were they, they were hunters? Or was it was it less oh. about the fact that they weren't hunters, they were just guys? Yeah, well, his, his brother won a, won a um, King's Medal for rifle shooting. Yeah, wow. In, in uh, oh, I can't remember, 1912 or something like that. Wow. Just before the war, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there was, hence there was an interest in hunting, hunting and shooting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so your your granddad is now working this farm. He's, he's back with his, reunited with his wife. Yep. They, he has kids. Yeah, they had three kids. Yeah. yeah. You're one of them? No, not quite. <laughs> no. no, he died in uh, 45. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah and so that that's how it come to be in the area. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so your dad was your... So he was like post-depression and he was interested in hunting too? Yeah, well, that's... What's the connection um, like? The I mean, th- there's like so, w- why hunting? Why? How did he get into it? Do you know? Did he talk much about it? Uh well, for the pot mainly. Yeah. When they, like when they were kids. Yeah. Yeah, there was a squillion rabbits. Mm. So they were shooting rabbits. And, yeah. Um. There weren't. There were hardly any deer prior to the '39 fire yeah. in this coming this way yeah are all down close to the cooler up swamp okay cooler up swamp then was being drained um and like where the sand will let go at harewood and the reason why samba the flourished one of the reasons um is because they're not as dumb as the other deer and they went and colonised the swamp mm. and the other deer colonised Cocky's paddocks and promptly got shot. Yeah. And so they never their numbers never grew. So you never you don't really have fallow in this area at all. Just all these, the Oh, there's a few that have got ahead from deer farms. Yeah, but not not from that original No, no, no. Yeah. No. Okay. No. All right. Um, when they drained the swamp the habitat was the ideal habitat was gone for the deer, mm. and so they started moving up the rivers that were fed the swamp, like the Bunyip, the Tarago, yeah, the Kidinia Creek, yeah, yeah, um, and then colonised those river valleys, which the Tarago runs up to where my, the family farm was at Nayok, the back of the farm, yeah, yeah. where we went with where my daughter is. Yeah. That's the Tarrago, the start of the Tarrago, yeah. or one branch of it there. Yeah. So within, what, 30 or 40 years, all of a sudden there's deer around? Well, they were starting to turn up. Okay. But then the 1939 fire happened. Mm-hmm. And so there was squillion acres of succulents. Remember I've talked about succulents? You have talked about succulents. How, how important succulents I'm, I'm are. I'm learning. And I, so when, when for context for people listening... Um, I've been hunting with Pete now for a couple of days and, and just absorbing everything he has to say. And one of the things he spoke about right early on was, you know, the deer will be where the food is and, the, and the, the, they like succulents. And in my mind, I thought succulents like cactuses. Like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I never knew that. That's really strange. And then eventually I realised you meant juicy the leaves. It's fructose, the, high fructose content. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, they just... The human, after all, they love lollies. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the the fire comes through in '39. Yep. Burns a whole like a schooling acres. All of a sudden, this new regrowth comes through, and there's these easy corridors. There's the deer coming up from the river, yep. and they just graze and feed yep. and move and follow the yep. feed yep. all and, the way through and spread out. Yeah. Through this area. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, up to Jim Brook and yeah, that way as well, and into the Yarra. Mm. Then up the Yarra River. So um, when you're when you're saying they're moving, um, are they? They're not the same animal. Isn't moving hundreds of acres, right? It's like then like an animal moves, it, then it drops a, a fawn, and that fawn moves, and then another one drops a fawn, and then so on and so forth. Be- because though we live in a matriarchal system, yeah, the old doe she'll have her patch, mm. and if there's heaps of tucker there. She'll tolerate maybe 
two, or two, three generations. Yeah, and then boot them. But as soon as there's the food gets short, yeah, she belts them up. Yeah, and then they've got to move on. Um, the spikies particularly get a hard time. Yeah, and so they'll colonise first. They move the furthest because everywhere they go, they get belted by a stag. Yeah, move on, son. Yeah, yeah, um, and they're not like the fellow. Um, young spikers that have bachelor herds where they're safe for like seventy percent of the year. It's like you're on your own. This, once your once your mum's got too many kids, yep. see ya, and yep. you and then you're basically a lone stag for the rest of your life. That's right. Yep. I have have seen them in you know, two or three velvet spikies mm. getting around together, mm. almost like a bachelor herd. Yeah. Yeah. But only two or three. Not not to the not, same. Not, not when you got like fifty. 50 yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. All right. Um, yeah, and that's that's how the it's this rolling mm, that's how population moving. growth. Yeah, is going all the way up to Queensland. You know, yeah. eventually that's where they'll end up. Yeah, yeah. If the invasive species council don't do something ridiculous, but anyway. Okay, so they're moving into the area. All of a sudden, uh, what? When does the interest start in deer hunting? But well, in your generation, at least, with your dad. When well, is- well, dad. At the thirty-nine fire. Yeah. Um. My grandfather took him down to all cock and pears. You know, I was showing you the. Mm. Mm. And they bought a, a thirty thirty and a thirty-eight forty. <laughs> From a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Filled out the form in the back of the where, magazine. Where is it? Oh, I don't know. It's not under there. I was looking for it before. Oh. But literally at the back of this book, it has... Um, I've, got some, order. I've got some footage, so I can even put it up on the yeah. video. The, a mail order. And you fill it out, and you like, page 153, item 4, which is £7 for a 22. Yeah. And you put your name, and then and then you send a... Did you send a check, or how did you... Or money order, um, Yeah, money order, yeah. yeah. And then you, then your gun arrives in the mail. Yeah. With your ammo? With your ammo. <laughs> yep. So, so he buys... What did he buy? Uh, 3840. 3840, okay. A Model 92. Yeah. Winchester. Um, lever and, action? Or? Yeah, lever action. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and my uncle got a 3030. A flash one. Yeah, well, that would have been a big gun then, right? Oh, shit, yeah. That would have been like a... A, a big, real high power. A cannon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, and went... Went over to England and stayed over there, like with the Air Force. Mm-hmm. He was a fighter pilot over there. Yeah. Throughout the war. Um, come back in 47. Yeah. Left in 39 and come back in 47. Yeah. That's your dad? No, my uncle. Your uncle. Mm. And what's your dad's name? Les. Les, okay. Um, anyway. So he was in hunting too, but he didn't get much of a chance to hunt during the war because <laughs> he, was, he was hunting German Aeroplanes, <laughs> different type of shooting. Yeah, they have, they have even bigger cannons than thirty uh, thirty. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, Dad was yet too young to join up at the start of the war. Mm-hmm. He didn't join up until forty three. Yeah. Um, and so he had those few years mm. with all these deer. Yeah. And the thirty eight forty. Yeah. So we learn how to shoot real straight with it. And, yeah. Put a few deer on the deck. Yeah. Um, and what, what's your earliest memory of hunting deer with him? How old were you when he started taking you out? Oh, five or six. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, different world. Yeah. Remember I showed you a picture of the Weidner brothers mm. with the hog deer? Mm-hmm. Old Eddie. When I was, I don't know, I might have been six or seven, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, and he walked on with a cane and he had little round glasses. He wore you know, wire frame, black wire frame glasses. Yep, yep. I know the ones. He would have been 80 odd at the time. Anyway, we're looking for deer tracks, walking down this old sneak track. The next thing he stops and he looks and said, Oh, jeez, son, you know, my eyes aren't as bad as what I thought. <laughs> oh, what? Boy, is that Mr. Wheatner? He said, I can see caterpillar tracks. 
And I looked at the ground and I looked at him and I looked and I got bloody walking along looking back down and I'm looking. My eyes must have been stuffed. I couldn't see any caterpillar tracks. <laughs> anyway, I look at him and said, well, I can't see him. Where are they? And he said, well, look. And he got his stick and he went, there's one there and there's one there and there's one there. You know, about that far apart. The cleats on a bulldozer. <laughs> caterpillar bulldozer. Yeah. Anyway. That was an early memory. That's a good one. Yeah. And so, for you growing up, you've got access, you're in this beautiful part of the world, you know, you've got access to deer. Is it is that is that access as well as, you know, your, a bit of your heritage from your, your father and your grandfather, is that what gets you into hunting? Or did you have no. other mates that were hunting? Like, where did the, the no, obsession no. start? No, it was through, through family. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I grew up with hounds, mm. and that's that's what we did. Yeah. But we, back in those days, what happened after the fire, and it's it happens all the time. You know, people go, oh, there's millions of deer, there's millions of deer. Well, there's not bloody millions of deer. What, what it is, where there's a rich food source, there's a lot of deer, and they'll concentrate there. Yeah. What happens in a fire, everything grows you know, really fast mm. after the fire. And when the saplings get up to about three metres, something like that, mm. they get that thick, no sunlight hits the ground. There's no food for the deer. So they move on. Yeah. This is another part of their migration. Yeah. And what it does then, it pushes them into small areas where there's a lot of food. Mm. So people look at those areas and go, oh, there's millions of them. Sure, because we but, know there's millions over here, but those millions have moved over here. Exactly. So then there's not, like there's not... Twice as many deer. Yeah. Yeah. That's because the population moves with the, with the food. Mm. There'll still be some left in that regrowth because mm. there'll be little pockets in it of food. Mm. But reflect back to the matriarchal system, if there's not enough food there for more than the Darwin um, fawn, the others get belted up. They, yeah. You know, they're really aggressive yeah. and piss them off. Yeah. And that's that's just the way, it works. What, the way deer are. Yeah. So what happened when I was growing up, when I was, you know, probably till I was about 18 or something like 17, um, we'd only shoot maybe five deer a year. Mm. You know, that'd be it. Mm. You know, during the winter, I only hunted in winter. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you got to be bloody mad to go eat in weather like this. <laughs> you got to have two kids and a wife and be dying for to do it. That's what you've got to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if someone is mad, who agrees? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so what happened then? The root thirty nine root growth got big enough. Mm. that they started to develop more food underneath it. You know, the saplings got big enough and they thinned themselves out. Yeah. More sun got in, more tucker. Yeah. More tucker. The deer didn't keep getting buggering off and the numbers have built up mm. to where now we'll shoot oh, maybe 100, 120 a year with the hounds. Yeah, yeah. Just for you, you mean? The family. The yeah. family, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, we still got the family hound. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um like that's with the hounds. Mm. And then personally I shoot maybe twenty to twenty five around yeah. that on average a year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um and then the guys will take out I don't know, I've never kept count of that, but they they frighten they they frighten a lot. <laughs> He's looking at Tegan behind the camera, Tegan from <laughs> Uh, we took our first shot on a deer yeah, tonight, but unfortunately, and did, a, and did a great job. Great setup. Yeah, he's he's good. But she watched Maxwell Smart too much. <laughs> and missed by that much. <laughs> oh, it's sad that I know what that is. I shouldn't know what that is, I sh but I do. I do. All right. So, so you're growing up. You're interested in deer. Yeah. When did you start? When did you start guiding deer? Oh, only about 
I don't know, 13 years ago. Okay, 13 yeah. years ago. And yeah. and I'm interested, so when we were talking before the other day, you mentioned a name that, that I, I knew and I understood, and I think a lot of listeners will understand as well, Errol Mason. Yeah. And you said when he came to you, he came looking for advice from, from the real master, oh. the real... <laughs> The real saint. No, no, I'd never be derogatory. But <laughs> but he he came to a Hunter Education course. Yeah. And did a hundred ADA Hunter Education. And you were in the ADA and you still are. Still are, yeah. Yeah. Like I've done thirty two, thirty three courses now. That's one yeah. year. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I've been helping I I went into the Hunter Education for two reasons. One, there was a hell of a lot of poaching going on. Mm. There still, it still is. I've sort of changed my opinion now on that, in that it's always going to happen. Yeah. You know, there's some people just can't. You can't fix them. Yeah. Um, there's, if I can pass on the enjoyment I've got out of the hunting and Mm. Burn in the bush mm. to help someone, you know, pass my or help them mm. enjoy what I've enjoyed. Mm. Well, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. And you leave a legacy and you leave some good in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know what I was really impressed with by you, and I've spent a bit of time with a few different guides now, um, and your attention to to detail. Um, really impressed me and like even your understanding of, of flora and fauna and like taking the time to show me what the deer are grazing on and explaining why they're grazing on that um and you know the, the, when they break off a, a stick you know nine degrees and you know then they um or they're nipping the tops off because that's where they're, they're super succulent exactly. um and then once you sh- you just that kind of stuff you can't i don't believe you can learn from a book and you can't learn it from YouTube. You can't learn it from a podcast. You just have to see it. Someone has to go, here, you see this? And stick it in your face. See, you see how the top of that's knocked off and it's white instead? That's because deer's been grazing on it. Um, yeah, and so I was really impressed by that. And I feel like it's it's those little things that will get lost. Like, you, pe- people always be around to teach you how to butcher a deer. Or, or, I don't know, or how to hunt with the wind. But it's the little things that I feel like get lost in, I don't know about you, whether you can agree with this or you disagree, but for me, successful hunting is based on the accumulation of lots of different tips and tricks that you can have in this handbook. And some of them are bigger and more important, like the wind, um, and some of them are less important, like making sound. Um, And it's about how you make sound as opposed to not making any sound at all. Um, But then if you have enough of them, you kind of, you can get the edge that you need. Yeah, you do, yeah. and it's all all the one percenters end yeah. up a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. If you have a hundred of them, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. And that's why I've, I've been one of the reasons why I've been doing hunter education is to give people the edge on the, the samba mm. to improve their chances of having success mm. and enjoy. Instead of, because, you know, it's terrible hard work flogging your guts out, walking around in the bush with a, you know, 25 kilo pack on your back full of all the latest gear and technology. And up and down hills and running around everywhere. Oh, someone shot a 30 inch over there. Boom! You race over there and you run around all over there. Yeah. And you don't see anything. You see one on the road. Yeah. Oh, boom. Bugger that walking around. And then put a spotlight in. Mm. It's easier to get into that. It's lots of people have done it. Yeah. It's it's up to individuals. But if I can help them make it easier, make it get more success. Mm. Yeah. It's a positive for, to me. You yeah. Know? I I must must admit I wonder those people that that go to poaching or spotlighting or mm. even thermals or whatever. I wonder how long they stay engaged in hunting for. Yeah. Or do they, they just do it? It's like, oh, yeah, fun, and that's it. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people do. Just, yeah. Um, 
I don't. Like, there's a vast difference, in my opinion, between hunters and shooters. Yeah. Two, they're just not, not the same thing. No, not at all. Yeah. Because, look, the hunting, well, as Tegan saw this evening, you know, we, we sat there waiting for him to turn up for, what was it, Teague, two and a half hours? Something like that? Yeah. Standing beside a tree for two and a half hours. It sent me up the top of the mountain to vlog <laughs> my yeah. cats out. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Hey. I, as I was walking down that mountain, do you know, what I felt like I was like, I feel like I'm just dro- I'm driving the deer. I feel like that's my <laughs> job right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, 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 nah. nah. Could have done a job. <laughs> 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 words from the back. That's great. Um, but yeah, and then for the when they finally turned up, maybe. Two minutes, three mm. minutes mm. Of, of shooting. Yeah, of getting set up for the shot and taking a shot, and then having them honk. Oh, I don't know how many times we would have. Been I reckon. Going. I reckon twenty times. Oh, easy, 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 easy time. Easy. Yeah. There was, I think there was five different deer honking at us mm. then, mm. Um, but it got too dark, so so we just walked past them. Yeah. Um, coming out but that's hunting mm. Mm. yeah I agree and now Tegan it's a, a first trick a first shot yeah so now she, she hopefully she understands that that's hunting yeah 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 I agree like the shooting is only one minute yeah two minutes yeah yeah I was lucky enough to have a brother-in-law who mentored me and taught me the hard kind of hunting in in the high country samba and so that's 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 only apart from bunnies and stuff early on that's been my only experience of hunting so when it, when anyone ever says you know like oh i like hunting that's what i picture in my mind because that's what I, that's mm-hmm. what i do and that's what i really enjoy, enjoy. Mm-hmm. i i want i want it to hurt i want it to i want to sweat i want it to be difficult i don't want to just pop you know, spotlight out and shoot a deer. I don't feel like I've earned it. I don't feel like I've respected the animal. I don't feel like I've done anything particularly valuable. But um, but that's my experience. And I wonder how many people just don't get a taste for that experience because the person that introduces them or the thing that introduces them is not like that. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure that's that's right. Which makes hunter education even more important. Yeah. You, you get ahead of that. And when a new hunter comes in and joins the ADA or joins some other club, yeah. um, they they get a taste from people who, who know what they're saying, that this is what hunting is. Hmm. Yep. Like, you can go spotlighting or thermaling. If you want to feed your family, yeah. get on, on private property. Yeah. And... Yeah, you know, knock shoot it here, yeah. knock it over. Yeah. You, you shoot them, you're not hunting them, you shoot it. Yeah. Dress it out, eat it. Yeah. No problems. No, no issues, yeah. yeah. No, that's, you're feeding your family, that's good. Mm. But never confuse it with hunting. Yeah. yeah. Like the two, two different things. Yeah. So what did you, um, what did you teach Errol? What, what were some, oh, some of the things he asked? Oh, no, just general. Just general deer yeah, hunting. Yeah, general deer hunting tips on you know where to hunt yeah you know like the like the tip the things I've, I've taught you I've taught everyone that I've talked to yeah. is the about the food and how important the food is yeah and understanding the food and in different areas mm. what type of food at what time of year mm. and so that's where they'll be going yeah and it it cuts your your walk and then you know, your whole um Instead of wasting time, yeah, you narrow your field down. Mm. Especially someone that's time poor, you'll narrow it down. Yeah. So of all the people that you've taken out, what do you think is the most common mistake that people make or series of mistakes from gear to behaviour? Um, it's slowing down. Yeah, moving too slow. No, moving too fast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even your hand movements. Yeah. When you turn your head, just move slow. Yeah. You've just got to... Everything's slow. Yeah, slow down. You know, I used to get told half and then half of that. 
yeah. is how fast you should be moving. So slow yeah. down and then then slow down again. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, because there's a told you that if there's something going crunch, 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 crunch in the bush, yeah. every animal knows that that animal's been chased. Mm. That's why it's hurrying. Mm. Every animal in the bush moves and stops, moves and stops. Yeah. Yeah. If if he hears something hurrying, it's whoa, 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 what's going on? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like hunting up in the head of the Murray where I go, there it's with the horses. You spend as much time stalking the horses, evading them yeah. so that they don't, so you don't, they don't start. Yeah, and then everything for the next kilometres, buddy. Look at yeah. So speaking about horses, I'm I'm really interested in, in pulling this apart because I know very little about wild horses, mm-hmm. and you know quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, you know more than the average Joe about wild horses, and I know that you're passionate about it. Um, so at the moment, it's a really contentious issue. What should be done about these horses? People can't agree on how many there are. People can't agree on how much damage they're doing. People can't agree on what we should do with them. Oh, I probably shouldn't go to Walt Disney. We can talk about Walt Disney. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a core part of your philosophy. We'll just we'll just <laughs> keep it PG, Walt Disney. I'll just take a, a, a blood pressure tablet. <laughs> yeah. I've got a theory that. That the worst person that's ever been in the world is Walt Disney. He had the most detrimental effect on our society because there's the vast majority of bureaucrats. We're not governed by elected officials. Yeah. We're governed by bureaucrats. Yeah. And the bureaucrats live in this what thing that Walt Disney world. It's called fantasy land. Yeah. They have got no golly gosh idea <laughs> of what the real world is. Yeah. Like to, to stand in front of a camera and say that um, the reason why the number of Brumbies is in their counts is doubling and tripling within two years, mm. the professor said, well, obviously they have two folds a year. And that's amazing, two folds a year when they have an 11-month gestation period. Yeah. And, and these are the bureaucrats that are governing us. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. So the blood pressure gets up with the, the stupidity. So how does... And trying to, count, to, trying to count on a grid pattern with a helicopter, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, and then average that over the whole park when the horses only will be where the food is, mm. like every other animal on earth, mm. they'll only be where there's food. Mm. Most of the heavy bush, as soon as you get underneath the bloody snow line, mm. there's virtually nothing for them to eat. Yeah. So they could only live on those plains. Yeah. So you can't extrapolate and say, well, we saw 10 here, so therefore we'll expect to see 10 here and 10 here and 10 here and 10. It's like, no, no, no there's 10 here because... That's where the, the food is. That's where the food is. And that's the entire population. Exactly. And anything else is probably going to die. Yep. This And flying over in a helicopter and counting them, and then you fly back over there and you count the ones over there, these bureaucrats, mm. scientists, are that clever, they forgot that horses have got four legs. And you get a noisy helicopter flying over them. And they spook. And they spook. Yeah. So you fly back, you know, 500 yards over there. Yeah. Where are the ones that you've spooked here gone? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, if you want to do something to about the horses, count the bloody things properly for a start. Mm. Then you'll understand if there's a problem and if there isn't. Mm. Any, anyone that's ever had anything to do with horses knows how hard it is to get them into a, a bog, into something really soft. They just hate it. If you're up the bush and you want to go through a river, mm. go where the river, where the brumbies go. Yeah, follow them. Follow follow them. If there's a, a wet, a swampy area, mm. follow where the brumbies go. Mm. It won't go over your boots. Mm. Mm. It'll be hard, rocky underneath. Mm. Mm. Go 10 yards that way, 10 yards that way, and it'll go up to your guts Yeah, in mud. But the brumbies won't do that yeah, yeah. because they'll die. 
Yeah. If they get stuck in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, that's not rocket science. Hmm. But it? apparently they're, they're destroying, killing all the frogs and the bloody galaxia and everything else. Do you think they're, they're yeah. an issue? I do not see them as an issue. Yeah. There's, do you mean like in Victoria or do you mean like at all? Uh, look, I don't know. I haven't spent enough time in the Kosciuszko. away from you. Yeah, so yeah. you stop making noise with them. <laughs> Um, I haven't spent enough time in the Kosciuszko <laughs> National Park, so I can't really comment on that. Yeah. But where they've been shooting them out of helicopters in Victoria, mm. and I've have a look at my website, you'll see the see the yeah. the facts. Yeah. Um, you see the pictures. See the, the pictures of the, the dead horses, and like there's one there that's a classic. It's been shot from above and it's been shot just in front of the pelvis mm. bullets coming out just behind the sternum yeah and gut shot gut shot and the, its intestines were hooked up in the bush all the way down to where it was lying down and then died yeah. there and that's humane that yeah that's that's our government mm. looking after the bloody national park yeah yeah now you ask anyone from the National Park about that, you know, I, I posted pictures, and there was this bloke said, on, oh, this is obviously photoshopped. Mm. Fuck off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to convince them. No. Because they live in Walt Disney World. <laughs> yeah. So, so people argue that these horses, because they're introduced species... Mm. Uh, and our Australian bush hasn't evolved alongside them. They do all this damage. What what kind of damage do people propose that they get, that they're doing? What? Well, bugger up peat bogs. Yeah. What? Yeah. Peat beds. You know, um, what do you call it? Sphagnum moss beds. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They bugger them because they get in. They run around in them. Yeah. In these basic swamps. Mm. Um, and wreck them. Well, I've just pointed out before. They don't like soft ground, yeah. They don't like soft ground. Yeah. They know that if they go in soft ground, they'll die. Yeah. So they stay out of it. Yeah. Is Like, they're, dumb, they're, they're a lot smarter than the average bloody bureaucrat. <laughs> so, like, what I try to understand in my mind is how much, how much, let's, even if it's just food can... Consumption. So, how, yep. even if a, a horse is just grazing and it's eating, mm. how much damage is that doing to the environment? And then I, I look at like what roos do, for instance, yep. um, or cows that are that are in a massive field and they're you know sending all that um, carbon dioxide, methane into the atmosphere, heating the world up or whatever. Um, I just can't. What what I see, and I'm completely ignorant in this. So this is just what I see, and it could be 100 percent wrong, but it's an introduced species, and so automatically it's got a, a target on it. Automatically it's got eyes on it. Mm. And it could be doing anything, and it will always be accused of causing damage because it's... Now, I haven't crunched the numbers. I haven't counted them. But um, I I find it difficult to, to see how a, a mob of, I don't know, let's say 20 roos um, does... Less damage than a horse, hmm. and there's not how I many. It's what what the principle behind this with is that a hard hoof, hmm. a hard foot, tramples, a fit, yeah, compacts and does changes the the structure of the plants and everything. Okay, compared to soft footed. Okay, that's that's the argument. That's the argument. Well. All right, I, I can't agree with that because I haven't seen it. Sure, I've seen game trails mm. that are compacted, mm. but there's every animal in the bush is using it. Is uses it? Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't know about that. And I've heard arguments um, that they transport seeds as well. Yeah, um, in their manure. Yeah, that, that but, then they but, take invasive seeds from here and they drop them over well, here. Well, I'll just point a little thing out there. <laughs> that when the Walt Disney World people 
get a map and they go like that on the map with a pencil mm. and then they write National Park on it. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll go back to when this first started, when Joan Kerner first started doing this in Victoria. Mm-hmm. A bloke that hunted with us, or two, two guys hunted with us when it all got amalgamated. Yeah. Um, these two guys were the only two left that had been to, for- to the Creswick Forestry School that got jobs. All the others got the sack. The sack, right? So that the that part of the bureaucracy was going to be be had to go to university and get a degree from a university mm. where they got indoctrinated. Mm. That's just a simple fact. Completely different attitude towards um, the whole inv- uh, bush, right? and how to manage it. Um, no doubt she thought she was doing the right thing. They started making national parks. Now, Bernie, one of the guys, he got put... He was put in charge of the northeast. He was based at Wangaratta. The first year of his new job, he looked at the what, what had to be done, what the... This job description, you know, the, the works that had to be done. Mm-hmm. And in those works, there were these new national parks areas. And they had to have public camping, mm-hmm. which had to be mown and have firewood put there. Um, so, radio puts a crew on, they go around and do that. In six months, his whole budget for the park was gone. Just with chopping up firewood. Keeping keeping the camps right. Mm-hmm. The whole budget went on that. And that includes what, conservation and... There was not one cent there to spray all the invasive species yeah, of plants, all the noxious weeds. Yeah. And ever since then, you know, whenever that was, that was 85 maybe, four, mm. I can't remember exactly about then, mm. um... Ever since then, they've spent about, well, nothing. <laughs> nothing that's worth doing anything. Nothing that's they've issue. They have completely wasted time, wasted money by doing little Band-Aid jobs mm. on all the myriad of weeds that are in the bloody park. Mm. Like, I'm not against national parks. The principle of national parks is a good idea. Yeah. But you've got to be able to manage them. Yeah. And you can't manage them without money. Yeah. And like they, yeah. You know, what I think is that with the horses, cats, foxes, dogs, pigs, deer, do a thousand times more damage to the parks yeah. than the horses will yeah. ever will. Yeah. The reason why the horses. Like, and this is the other thing with the horses, that they just can't get in their bloody Disneyland brains, is that they've been there for over 150 years. Mm. Do the maths. How many million horses should be there? Mm. You know, if they all mm. all breed. Yeah, if they drop a, yeah, fall every year. Yep. A lot. A million. Yeah. Probably. But yeah. there's not. But there's not. Yeah. There's a few thousand. Yeah. What the Walt Disney World people don't understand is that any horse that's born too late mm. hasn't got the body mass to, to last the winter. winter. Yeah. Just they die. Yeah. Any horse whose teeth are starting to go back mm. haven't got the body mass. They die. Yeah. Like living in up in the Alps. It's deadly. Yeah, yeah. And unless you're fit and strong, mm. you're going to die. Mm. So they are being culled by nature mm. the whole way through. Mm. That's mm. never been taken into account. Mm. They've never, in all their studies on it, all their so-called studies on it, um, none of that's been taken into account. Mm. And so anyway, but I haven't got a, a list of, of letters behind me name. Yeah, you know, I'm just a the bloke 
He doesn't like Walt Disney. Doesn't like Walt Disney. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, or Fantasyland. Or Fantasyland. Yeah. There's um. I mean, there's. I've heard some interesting proposals about. Uh, so there's there's a few different camps. There's people who say they're just horses, mate. They're not doing anything wrong. Just leave them. They're fine. Um, they have like uh, kind of historical and cultural significance to Australia, part of our history. Yep. They're not doing any damage. They're beautiful animals. Tell you what, if you see a wild horse, they they look like they're having the time of their lives. Hmm. And then you see someone riding a horse, looks miserable. Hmm. <laughs> so there's that camp. And then there's the camp that says, uh, okay, maybe they're causing some issues, but we need to control them. What's the best way to control them? And then there's the people who are like, they just need to be, let's just chop them, shoot them and raise them to the ground. The people who are in the middle are people that I find fascinating and interesting um, that are trying to find interesting humane ways and some of them at least that i've researched include corralling them capturing them and then relocating them which is interesting um, yeah well they've been rehoming them yeah rehoming them but you can't rehome if if you caught yeah if all of a sudden you've got three or four thousand horses yeah 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 you'll flood the market yeah um i'm i'm Really, well, actually, I'll tell you a story comes to mind here. Where I go and camp and guide up, you know, East Gippsland, it's beside the Alpine walking track. And I reasonably regular have people come past. And if, you know, if I'm at my camp, I you know, call in and have a meal, you yeah. know, have a stand by a hot fire that hasn't got smoke. Because you see them typically, they've got this little thing like this with smoke billowing out because the wood's green and they get no heat of it because it's wet. <laughs> Poor buggers. But anyway. Walt Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this girl said, oh, it was terrible. I come, you know, she'd come from Canberra. Mm-hmm. And I, she said, oh, it's terrible. There were, there were just thousands and thousands of horses and they terrified me. You know, they're so big and there were just thousands of them. I said, oh, yeah. How many days did you see horses? She said, oh, two. I said, and you've been going for how long? Four weeks. Mm. So you saw horses for two days and you've seen thousands, there were thousands of them. Don't bullshit me. I think she accidentally ran into a horse convention or something. <laughs> never never seen horses, not used to horses. Yeah. Saw this, these big animals and mm. ah see to me that's exciting like to have Gosh. large animals in our bush that like uh, like i haven't seen um that many but the ones i've seen they just dominate they did and, and it's amazing to watch yeah. we, it um i often think about them in the same light as if cows weren't domesticated if you roll back a couple of thousand years and you, as a hunter, you engaged, a, found a bull in the middle of the bush, man, you'd fill your dacks. Like, just incredibly powerful animals. Mm. And that that's exciting. I don't think we should be worried about that. That's a good thing. I reckon it's... Well, I suspect that these Walt Disney World people are terrified of the big, the big animal. Mm. And, oh, it's got to go, it's got to go. Yeah, yeah. Not the cat that's buddy slinking around that you don't see, not the pig that you don't see, not, yeah. the, not the fox that you don't see. Mm. Oh, those things, they're not there. Mm. Well, bullshit. Mm. Have a look at the tracks on the ground. Have a look at the shit that's on the ground. Yeah. Have a look at the, all the sign that's there yeah. telling you what's there in the bush. Yeah. And you'll know. Yeah. Because the horses are a big thing and they're obvi- ha- not hard to see when they're out in the middle yeah, of the plane. Yeah, They've got to go. And it's not like they're bedded down or anything. They're just slowly grazing and making their way yeah. around. Yeah. So they're pretty obvious. Yeah. What, how, how do you feel about the the moves to uh, sterilise them? Well, I've got a little story on that. Yeah. Re- re- reflect back to the polka dot woman. Uh, sorry, Joan Kerner. <laughs> and... Uh, and I hope you don't get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm not racist. Yeah. Is that racist, polka dots? Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, 
she came up with this idea. She got rid of, oh, I can't remember the exact figures, but I think there was either t- nine or 12 dogmen between Bruce and, it was probably nine, between Bruce and, and Mount Hotham. A dogman? Yeah. What's a dogman? Oh, uh, Dingo Trapper. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, when she amalgamated all the departments, there were three mm-hmm. to do nine men's work. Mm-hmm. Now, the nine guys that were there were working, had traps out seven days a week. Yeah. Every day of the week, of the year. Um, For every wild dogs and dingoes or just dingoes? No, wild, wild dogs. As a, as a whole? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, traps don't. Yeah. Traps trap them. Yeah. doesn't matter. You yeah. step in one, you will be. <laughs> You're a wild yeah. dog. <laughs> um, anyway, all the cockies went crook because the, the numbers went up. They're losing sheep. Mm. You know, two or three hundred sheep a night. Mm. They, they could lose from to dogs. Mm. It's going to send them broke. Mm. Anyway, gee, there was a meeting at Beanstar and they had a, had a, no, we're going to tell you what's going on. So she stood up and told them what was going on. Now they'd come up with this new idea that was going to solve all their problems. And the sneers, because they weren't allowed to trap them, they had to have those sneers. Mm-hmm. They'd sneer them, tranquilise them, and um, cut all the dogs, mm. all the males, yeah, and then release them. Just release the females. Okay. Anyway, this cocky from up at Omeo. You know, excuse me, Miss Kern. Yeah, yeah, what's your, what's your question? He said, Miss Kern, I think you don't understand what the problem is. You've got to understand that the dingoes are killing our sheep, not fucking them. <laughs> oh, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, you, you knew that it was going. Yeah. Did, they, did he actually say that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's... This will have to be an adults-only episode. So what the... That, I hope that answers your question about... Well, I guess with the horses, the difference is that the dingoes are were, and sometimes people say are, an immediate threat to the livelihood of these farmers. Mm. Whereas a horse, it's like a a sterile horse will live its life and then die and then it accomplishes the goal because it's not uh, just over over a a longer period. Whereas, yeah. What, to sterilise them, like it's not an easy job. No, I I was curious how they do it. They train them from a chopper, do they? Well, that is one way. Yeah. yeah, but you've got to hit them right, and you've got to have the right dose for the for the weight of the size. The, yeah, otherwise you kill it. Yeah, like it's it's not an easy fix. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, I'll round them up and then, buddy, put them in some yards. Well, yeah, it's a huge job. Mm. Like chasing brumbies through the bush, it, it's not for the faint-hearted. You've got to be an exceptional horse person to do that. Do you think there'd be a pathway forward because I, I see uh, one of the major driving forces to get anything done in this world is just put value on it is just say it's worth x amount of dollars yep. and then some people out there will be like oh it'd be fun to chase brumbies and catch them and lasso them and bring them in and sell them yeah. um and has anyone ever considered that that you could just oh, sell no this? no these, these guys do it guys do it already yeah okay but only a few because okay. it's a lot easier to to get a broken leg or a broken neck than what it is to catch a brumby. Yeah, okay. when, Like you tried galloping through the bush. Yeah, yeah. That's scary. I wouldn't do it. You try when, you're, them, when you're this high, you know, this high off the ground. Yeah. And try putting a rope around their, their bloody... I tr- I've tried that and, on a domestic horse. Yeah. And but, that was not fun. But in the bush. Yeah. Nah. It's... Yeah. I had a horse. I was... Um, we live in a horsey part of... Australia, <laughs> Victoria, um, a lot of horses in our town, a lot of equestrian people, equestrians, yeah. and um, there's a couple of horses, a couple of houses up from us, and one naughty horse that always gets out, mm. and we're laying in bed at night, 
my wife and I, and I hear this. And I'm like, jeez. And my wife says, is that a fox? And I'm thinking, how big is the fox? That's a big fox. I'm like, that is not a fox. Fox with big boots. Yeah, he's got big boots on. And so I um, I walk around to the side of the house and I look down and I'm like, no, nothing there with the torch. Doing, you know, big sturdy husband thing. Go to the front door and I open the front door and there's this massive face staring at me. And we have a, you walk out our front door and we have like a deck that tears down. And he's like eye level to me, which means that he's like nine foot high or whatever. And he's and I'm like, wow, that's a big horse. And I'm like, okay, what do we do now? It's you know, eleven o'clock at night. We have this horse. We got to, it's obviously someone's supposed to be no it's a horse. This is down the road's horse. And so and my wife's like, go get a rope. So I go get a rope. And man, he was not gonna take the rope, and he was getting annoyed. And I'm like, I said, Amy, quick, get get some apples. And so I just got a bag of apples. And I leave back with a bag of apples. Yeah, that's what it took to get him moving. Yeah, yep. but it was. Are you sure it was a, a stallion? I don't know. Well, burn of a night time was probably a nightmare. <laughs> he was he was definitely a nightmare. He was a cheeky nightmare. Yeah. Oh, all right. So so there's the relocating, there's the sterilizing, there's the outright shooting. Yeah. Is there baiting? I don't it's like with deer trying to bait deer. You've got something that weighs, you know, three hundred kilos. Mm. The amount of poison... Would just kill everything in the bush. Anything that touches that would kill. You know, you get a bloody... A little possum. Mm. Bloody start playing with a bait or a bird plays with a bait, they're dead. Yeah. We had the same scope we were discussing the other day, though. That the same applies for deer, right? For yeah. a samba, that's 300 kilos. Yeah. The, the, the size of the bait, the potency of the bait, the 1080 that you would have to use would just kill everything. Yeah. It doesn't discriminate. No. Oh. And so... If they can guarantee that they're not going to hurt. But, see, they guaranteed that they weren't going to hurt the horses shooting them out of helicopters. And there's me bloody photograph with the, the bloody yeah. intestine hanging out of the bloody, along in the bushes, mm. to where the horse is lying dead. Mm. I, and that's that's humane and that's doing it nice. Yeah. No. I don't understand how, like, I get, some people, some people like deer. Some people, it's like a deer's deer, I don't really care. Mm. But I don't know many people who don't like horses, who who aren't, who don't feel sympathetic towards the horses. Case Teakin's raising her hand. She's she's the one percenter. Mm. Um, so, so when we have aerial culling and people get upset about it and people share pictures, I don't understand how that doesn't appear in the front newspaper. Oh, be, be, because of the... Because it's been done by the government. The... The journalists went to the same university as the bloody bureaucrats. But there's nothing and, wrong with universities. Yeah, well, that's where they get to know each other and that's where they network. Yeah. And that's why they don't stab each other or rarely stab each other in the back. Yeah, okay. That's It's, it's all about networking. That's what that is. That's why I, I say it at the university because that's where they get together to network. But I'm not sure it's just... I mean... I think that's an oversimplification because there's yeah, so it's many... A, it's the only common denominator. But there's so many... I think there must be something else, though, because there's so many news outlets. I mean, anyone can post online. Anyone can, mm. like, there's little, you know, there's digital magazines and stuff. Like, there's a lot of opportunity for people to, to share this, but it just doesn't seem to permeate. And I, I don't understand why horsey people don't get up in arms about this. Oh, they do. There's... I had... Equestrian clubs and look, I in that when I posted that, or the I've done a few now, um, of them shooting the horses mm. and you know, and finding horses mm. dead. The last ones they'd shot five with the helicopter, mm. and there were two foals. Now, I watched those two foals for just on three months, yeah, and then and I, I was nearly going to shoot them myself because I didn't think they'd. They'd, yeah, last. They'd survive. Give them a humane kill, yeah. Yeah, but they did until someone came along and shot them. Still, where the the their rotten mothers are still there, laying there. And they just couldn't leave them. And, and the foals are still feeding around their rotting mothers. Yeah. And the arsehole shot them. Yeah. And the, the one of them, you can see in the photo, where it's been trying to get up, and it's dug a hole in 
with its feet, mm. with its hooves like that, mm. trying to get up. That's how long it's taken to die. He didn't even go and finish it? No. Yeah. Well, not like the holes are there. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the only way the holes are there is because the hooves have been going like this. It's been yeah, thrashing. Yeah, churn up the earth, yeah. And dug, dug holes that deep. Yeah, true. You know? And that's, that's what happens when Walt Disney World mm. tries to do stuff. Like, if, look, yeah. if you've got a colour, you cull him on foot and you shoot him in the head. Mm. Get get people that can shoot properly and you just shoot him in the head. Yeah. That's the only way you can do it. Mm. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter how good a shot you are when you've got a, a moving target in a, on a moving platform, you're going to have fuck-ups. Yeah. Sorry, you're going to have muck-ups. And, and that's, that's just facts. Yeah. You know? It's possible for really good shots to, to misplace a shot in the head. Mm. But if there's... Well, horses' brain isn't very big, is it? It's like like that. Oh, I don't know. I've never opened one up. Mm. Never looked at it like that. Yeah. I don't think I probably, have probably, probably about the size... I'm just thinking of the size of the skull mm. and where the atlas bone is. Mm. Yeah. Because I've picked up a few skulls near where they've been... where the right. parks are shot on. Yeah. 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 I was... I was going to pick them all up and take them down, drop them off. Drop them off? At, post them? At Spring Street. Yeah. Anyway. Send them to Parliament? Yeah. That no. won't change anything. No. I just don't understand why it doesn't make a, a bigger splash than... Neither do I. You'd have to ask the media outlets. I, I can't work that out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you could... If, if you had a, a magic wand... And you could no, wave. No, 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 I'm not in fantasy land. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. Go on, sorry. No, 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 I'll rephrase it so it's not fantasy land. If you were, if you were the prime minister of Australia, and oh no, if, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it and have any result that you wanted regarding them, what what, what would it be? Well, the very first thing: mm. sack the scientists and get proper. Facts, mm. like do it, do it properly. You want to know what's not, actually not have happening. a scientist that believes that um, they have two folds a year within they've got an eleven month gestation period. Mm. You can't have an idiot like that running the program. Mm. You know that's just that's the first thing. Yeah, get proper counsel. Well, yeah, yeah, someone who knows to to get your facts right. Yeah, you know if you if you're not if you haven't got the if you're not working with facts. Mm. What are you doing there? Yeah. All you're doing is wasting taxpayers' money. Yeah. That's all that it is. Yeah. A waste of taxpayers' money. So you got the facts and it comes back one or two things, right? Yep. They're a problem or they're not? What happens yeah. if they're a problem? Well, if they're a problem, you'd have to have to cull them by rehome if possible. Yep. Catch catch what you can and rehome. Yep. You work out the the um level that you're gonna know. Mm-hmm. See whether it's practical to rehome them. Mm-hmm. Rehome what you can and what you can't. You've got to got to shoot off the ground. Yeah. So you're not yeah. opposed to managing it. You're just opposed uh, to no. ill-informed decisions and poor execution of management. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's that's the bottom line to me. Yeah. Like they're making a problem where I don't see that there's a problem. Mm. Yeah. You know? mm. Like to turn around and say there's thirty-eight thousand horses in the park. Mm. What? That's a lot. That's total bullshit. Yeah. It's an impossibility. Yeah. There's just no way, is there, that many horses? You're rubbing shoulders with them. Ah, they've got no idea. Yeah. um, Get the facts right. Mm. Then work out a solution. Like, if if you were running a business Mm. and you ran your business on a business plan that was just total bullshit, what would happen to your business? You'd go under. Exactly. Yeah. Because... The bureaucrats live in fantasy land. They don't go under, so they get away with wasting. They get re-elected. They're not. Well, they're not. Re- they're not elected. Yeah. They don't answer. Hmm. Yeah. You know, they're the hidden gods. So, is there a solution? Um, or is there? I mean, well, that's that's what I believe. Get your facts right, then work out a plan. Yeah. Um. Same with the deer, getting your facts right and then work out a plan. Yeah. 
you know, I'm, as we went over before about, oh, there's millions of deer, there's millions of deer. Well, there's not millions of deer. Mm. Oh, the, look, in the whole of Victorian New South Wales, there might be a million deer, yeah. But there's not millions of deer in this spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where the food is, mm. is the, the, where the deer is. The are. golden rule, yeah. 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 And so there's a myriad of different things that change the landscape. What food's there? Mm. Drought. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. Flood. Yeah. All those things. And just because they're here now doesn't mean they'll be no. here tomorrow. No, exactly. Things change. In in those numbers. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, yeah. mate, thanks for chatting. Too easy. Do, we, um, do I live in the real world? Is this the real world? <laughs> are you, learn, are you real? Yeah. You're learning, son. You're learning. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's it. That's my conversation with Pete Christian. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope that you were challenged by what Pete said. I was certainly challenged. I'm still kind of digesting some of the things that he said and trying to sort through, you know, what is kind of passion-based conversation versus what's grounded in reality. Uh, Pete is a fantastic man, full of wisdom, full of knowledge, and I've really enjoyed my time with him. And I hope that you have enjoyed your time listening to this conversation and your brief glimpse into Pete's life and thoughts. Now, if you haven't already checked out the Australian Hunters Club, I encourage you to stop the podcast, pause it right now, go head over to australianhunters.com.au, check it out. It's the great way to support me, best way to support this podcast. Again, there are great reasons to join the club. You can go on the draw to win guided hunts every month. You can go on the draw to win products every month. You can get discounts on products. We have events all sorts of good stuff, plus your insurance, your genuine reason, all that stuff as well. Head over there to australianhunters.com.au, but otherwise, hopefully I see you in another video or podcast episode soon.